to the Space Salvi Institute podcast. I'm Andrew Pettiprin, joined by my good friend, Bobby Mixa. Bobby, how are you? I'm, I'm great, Andrew. It's great to be with you, man. I'm so happy that we're finally having our first podcast together. Yeah, we're having our first podcast together, and it is uh, related to this venture that we're setting out on this this uh, adventure we might call it pilgrimage even we are uh i don't know to throw in another metaphor we're setting sail on our maiden voyage uh as part of this new undertaking that we're that we're getting into called the space alvi institute it's something that we have talked about for a long time and thought about we really are excited about it and uh so we are uh, underway here so I wonder if you could just kind of kick it off by talking about what this thing is that we are getting going with now. Yeah. Well, the Space Solvi Institute is kind of an idea that came out of our conversations, Andrew. Uh, so, you know, just to kind of put this a little bit in context, Andrew and I used to work together uh, for the Word on Fire Institute. And uh, based on our conversations over lunch, or even, you know, sometimes even when we're trying to throw around ideas for the different articles that we were working on, um, we constantly came back to the theme of hope. We were focusing a lot on Pope Benedict. And around the time that Pope Benedict died, um, this idea was, was really kind of, um, you know, emerging in me. How can we bring together a lot of the themes that, jo- that Pope Benedict was focused on uh, but also John Paul II, but also kind of like in the context of what's the situation today. So for the past, like, I don't know, 10, 10 years, I've had this feeling that this like cloud of despair in some ways is hovering over, um, I don't know, if all societies, but at least the West. And it seems like including Europe and America within that as well. And it just seems to me that when you look at the writings of Pope Benedict, the theme of hope just constantly comes up. And going back to like one of the, say, most devastating events in the history of the West, World War I, I started reading a lot of Charles Pegui. And he has this great, this great long poem called The Portal to the Mystery of Hope. And it just seems to me that Pope Benedict, he was going back to Pegui very often, but but Pegui says that hope, you know, hope is like this little child that we've forgotten about, you know, and she's in the middle between, you know, her two big sisters, Faith and Charity. But in some ways, they're both holding, as Pegui says, they're, they're both holding her up, little hope, but in some ways in holding her up, she's actually the ones supporting them indeed and guiding Mm -hmm. them so it just seems to me that okay uh we need to pay a little bit more attention to christian hope and i was writing an article on i think some of the the secular utopias that were going on in the in in um you know in world in the 20th century and a lot of the religious fervor that um kind of almost in a way migrated over to those revolutionary movements um, that were in some ways utopian, but in a way took the place of something like Christian hope and this pilgrimage towards the heavenly Jerusalem. But they were, in some ways, this hope was in vain because it was purely the work of human hands. But yet still, those movements inspired so many of the youth to like give their lives to, to, to fighting for the cause. 
But we've seen those things like, and Andrew, we were talking a lot about the Cold War and then the 90s and everything else coming up with this, like, you know, while the Cold War has ended, um, now this new, maybe this new world is emerging. But yet it's for many people, it's kind of been a little disappointing because it's lacking that maybe transcendent dimension. So, I mean, yeah. I could go on, but all of that stuff has come together for me, at least thinking about, well, which, what, what can we contribute to help people in a way like emerge from this cloud of despair? Yeah. You know, there's a great line in, um, I was just looking over John Paul II's um, Ecclesia in Europa, which is a, a document that you that you uh, turned me on to, and that I think is a really important document from the end of John Paul II's pontificate, very much connected to stuff that Pope Benedict is also going to be saying and writing during his pontificate, and that defined a lot of his intellectual output. But there's a line that, sa- that goes something like, um, with the loss of Christian memory comes a fear of the future. And, um, you know, I think that you and I, have, I think, talked about that line before. It's one that just really sticks with me. And it's one that I think is partly animating our project. And um, maybe that's a good segue into talking about the European component of it, which you've already touched on a little bit. But yeah, so we wanted to create a website, a podcast, um, opportunities for like conferences, uh, seminars, study tours that are rooted first off in this theological virtue of hope and using Pope Benedict's document, Spe Salvi, just such an important encyclical uh, for our times uh, as uh, as one of the guiding lights. The, the, the additional interesting thing for the two of us is now, Bobby, you are living in Poland, married to a European woman. I am still here in, in the United States of America, in Texas, missing you very much. Um, but excited for you to have your, uh, you know, your adventure across the pond. But both of us have this lifelong fascination with Europe, with European culture. I think it's fair to say, you know, both of us really identify in European culture, our own culture, and we are nourished in our own faith by the faith of our European ancestors. And so, you know, when we think of Europe, we think of the great cathedrals, we think of the pilgrimage routes, we think of you know, all the great traditions, all the different ways in which Europe and the faith are completely inextricably linked. And, you know, while there are a lot of people nowadays in the world who really think, well, you know, maybe kind of the, you know, the the dominance of the faith in Europe and the dominance of the faith, even in the whole Northern Hemisphere is kind of at an end. And maybe now it's kind of time to look to the global South and, you know, to these places where the faith is really exploding we are really excited that the faith is exploding in those places, but we are also not ready at all to give up on Europe. And in fact, you know, for my part, I would say, you know, the faith really uh, rises and falls with with Europe. And, you know, that line from John Paul II with kind of the, the loss of Christian memory. So, you know, I think part of what we want to do, right, Bobby, is um, take what Europe and its past and present, in a sense, like it's sort of cultural embeddedness of Christianity and sort of preach that to our own countrymen in America, but then also to kind of be an encouragement to Europe to continue to kind of discover and rediscover its own its own rich patrimony. So I don't know if I throw that back to you and see what you think about that. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of the call to um, 
in some ways to evoke the memory, yeah, of, of, of Europeans. I, I Right now I'm teaching at an international school and most of my students come from uh, various European countries and uh but and and actually half of them probably are from Krakow but many of them when they walk around the city of Krakow and they take in the architecture and just the the history of it many of them do not really have that basis to make sense of the city uh that they're walking through i mean they don't really they don't know much about the 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 christian tradition they don't know much about I mean I'm, I'm not assuming that they're going to know like architecture and and urban planning but they can't really read the city well and so part of my like job as a history teacher is to help them in some way like read it well and also to remember and what's fascinating because this is a secular school but what's fascinating for me is that this is like I see it in their eyes there's like this glimmer of hope and like meaning that they've never really have encountered before. And a lot of them are, are actually pushing back, which is good. But I've, I've seen that they're, they're now like in a way connecting everything. So we last week we walked around the city. We're, we're doing something on the, the Renaissance and we walked around the city and we saw, well, okay, why is the building, why are the proportions this way? Why is actually the church like located right here? Why are there so many steps up to the church? And then why are the columns different? And why, okay, so what's the what's the kind of grammar of this city? And I, I saw this kind of like, you know, there was like almost like this, they perceived this beauty that they wanted to come back to. Um, and so... Anyways, I see part of the space salvi is to help like Europeans come to better read their own tradition, their own cities and all that. But also like for Americans like us who like travel to Europe and for me at least like really feel like sometimes in, in a way we've encountered something like a, a Catholic culture, not to like go overboard, but we see things that perhaps the Europeans themselves don't see. So just one, yeah. one example, I mean, I came, I, I really kind of had this experience when I was in Spain for six months. And I remember I spent, um, I spent Holy Week in Portugal. And it was the first time I ever really felt like the faith flooded the entire city. I mean, mm -hmm. like it was a very like tangible thing. And everything was kind of partaking in the rhythms of the Holy Week. Um, and I I always kind of had this idea of the faith as being something that was like on the, you know, outskirts of the suburbs, you know, it doesn't come into, you know, the uh, the center, even if there is a center to this of, of the suburb, but it doesn't flood the streets. Whereas I saw it there in Portugal. And I started to want to learn more, like, well, what is this all about? Why do they mm -hmm. build this way? And so in many ways, still, I mean, it's like, it's in Europe, it's still part of the culture. I mean, mm -hmm. I think of this joke that Alistair McIntyre one time said, um, and I hope I'm, I'm, this is appropriate for, you know, appropriate application of it. But one time, he was talking about uh, the conflict in Northern Ireland. And, um, 
you know, uh, he said you often get stopped in the streets and they, they pose a like a gang of guys would pose the question to you, Catholic or Protestant? And, um, you know, the, the smart thing to do is to say atheist. But then they reply, <laughs> Catholic atheist or Protestant atheist. Right. And so right. the joke is, right, that there's there, there is a difference. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, when you come to continental Europe, at least, and perhaps even Ireland, uh, you still, in some ways, more or less, even if it's a secular uh, thing, you still experience the Catholic thing, more yeah. or less. Yeah, yeah. That uh, several thoughts to that. I mean, you know, I, I definitely grew up in a context. It wasn't it wasn't uh, articulated as such, but um, but the the idea that cultural Christianity was kind of an awful thing. You know, that is to say, like just being you know a religion that's just cultural right yeah. now of course we don't want a religion that's just cultural however a religion that is cultural is very powerful um and to the extent that you know even now as we're considering you know to jump off the point you were just making as we're considering kind of the faith of europe versus the faith of the united states for example i mean american christians including american catholic leaders are often um happy to point out the fact that uh, church attendance is much higher in the United States than it is in Europe. Well, I mean, they're happy to say, you know, at least Americans are still uh, coming to church in some places and oh, how sad it is that they aren't going anymore in Europe. And yet there's a, a large cult cultural component and not just, I mean, it, it exists in certain homes and certain families, but as you're saying, like in the city, in the in the country, like, you know, that that kind of like interwoven fabric that you still have in Europe, even in a place like France that has a 10% Muslim population now. You know, Pierre Manon, one of my favorites, um, talks about the marks of Christianity that, that even secular France until probably, you know, 40 years ago or so was still a Catholic secular France, right? Or a Christian secular France. Um, and, you know, in, in the United States, we've always struggled with this, with like sort of how to be Christian in this, you know, this overtly pluralistic society. Um, even though in some respects there were a lot of cultural trappings of, of Christianity all around in the United States too, until 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, but what we do find is this, this big problem now where Christianity is increasingly personalized and is acceptable as a kind of personal, a personal thing. Uh, and the cultural, the cultural aspect of it, or the society-wide, the idea of a Christian society is something that seems kind of, just kind of quaint or passe, if not, you know, if not offensive to, to even to Christians, right? And I, I think something that we want to, we want to say to our countrymen in America is, you know, it, it, it's, it is actually the goal. It is actually the goal to live in a society that has all the trappings in place to kind of foster authentic faith. And, um, you know, Europe is a, a place which is mysterious to Americans because, yeah, I mean, the, the masses are not heaving with people. And yet uh, the, the Christianity is is embedded there in a way that we we just don't have in our country. I use the example, Bobby, you know this, in, in the, the suburb in Texas where I live, they're building this big, beautiful, new Catholic church. And it is, it's going to be beautiful. They, were, they, they bulldozed the old brutalist 20th century thing that was there before. Thanks be to God. It's fantastic. Um, 
And so I'm excited about it. It's actually within walking distance of my house, which is cool. But when I think about it, I'm still troubled by the fact that it's on one corner of a huge intersection. Uh, and on the other corners of the other intersections are there's a McDonald's with a mosque behind it on one corner. There's the Chamber of Commerce with a dentist's office on the other corner. And there's kind of a shopping center with uh, a car wash and a um, um, just, you know, all kinds of all kinds of other shops on the other corner. And I just think like the. the this even this big beautiful new church is not enough to dominate the landscape even though it is going to be really big and beautiful so now i again we take our wins where we can get them but it's just yeah. it's just to point out that we're really in a different place in the united states even than so-called secular europe is with you know so many things kind of that come together in this in this like cultural faith kind of way yeah yeah it's like it's hard where you, you want to support, say, the options and kind of the and that's literally within the the landscape where it's almost like, um, I don't know, some kind of buffet where you can, you know, just load up whatever whatever your need is at the moment. But um, there's still like, you know, the, the 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 focal point or like the kind of the center that you still feel in these cities where um, you, you, you have a sense of like ultimate importance that isn't just this kind of like nothingness that is at the center. I mean, you look at Chicago and like, where are people meeting right now? Like if you had to meet somebody at any time of the day, somewhere in the city, you didn't know where each other you were supposed to meet, you'd possibly go meet by the bean. The, now, bean, the, bean, right? the bean, yeah. Or what was the, what's the official name? Um, but anyways, there's just this kind of, you know, yeah, it's this distorted or bean like mirror that you just, you get a distorted image of yourself back. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cool yeah. at first, but it's really, I mean, I really don't know what the, the meaning is there. And then in New York, you can go to like, um, what's the train station? Is it Central Station or uh, Grand Central Terminal? Yeah, Grand Central Terminal with the clock at the center. Um, in some ways, perhaps that is is saying something about about the with the the, the clock and the and the the world in which that thing was made. You know, with the everything's running on time and perhaps yeah, yeah. ordered. But you know, in Krakow, where do you go meet? You go meet by the Adam Miskevich. Uh, statue um, by you know right there in the Rinnick uh, by and you're facing Saint Mary's Basilica and you know you probably uh, at the strike of uh, the next hour you'll hear the song coming from the trumpet and anyways mm -hmm. there's just um, it's just a different a different experience so like you know in phenomenology they talk about like the life world a lot and like lived experience. So when you want to, I think what we're trying to get at is try to look at the life world of Europe and making the claim that it still has these marks, as you say. Yeah. And yeah. also for like Americans like us to look at our own life world and then to see, well, how, life worlds change and all that stuff. So we can, I'm, I think that the space Salvi, when you look at all of these practices in Europe, you can still get a sense of the life world is is somewhat centered around something like pilgrimage. And when yeah. Europe goes wrong, I mean, you you find secular forms of that. 
um, like even even other nations, like nationalism, where the, the the nation is in some ways on its own pilgrimage towards something like just for itself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but and America has that. America does have that, like city mm-hmm. on the hill and all that other stuff. But you know, there's 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 that Christian dimension um, that's still there. And in a way, has become secularized too. But the practices of hope is something that I really would like to focus in on. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned pilgrimage. I mean, we're definitely going to look at leading pilgrimages. You know, encouraging yeah. people to take pilgrimages. I mean, make our whole work in a sense like kind of a kind of a, a journey, kind of a pilgrimage, right? Well, didn't Santiago Compostela like the way they had? Um, I think more pilgrims on that than ever before in the last year. And, yeah, and the, and the big one in France uh, this summer as well yeah. Uh, w- was, yeah, sort of was uh, record numbers, yeah. Yeah, but like I, I like around my house here, we have, um, I didn't know that the, uh, the way, the what is it called? The Compostello, what's? The Camino. The Camino, the Camino, yeah. The Camino is all the way, it comes all the way through Poland too. So you could oh, live- wow walk along this path which pointed out with the the shell um and you make your way all the way to the camino so it's interesting like perhaps even europe um in a way is like the the various paths of the camino all linked yeah. together so yeah and you know for for people who are listening to this conversation and wondering like what you know what what form will these ideas take i mean you and i are going to continue to write articles like we like we've done for yeah. for several years for a long time um under this banner of this bay salvi institute uh we're uh, you know thinking about some of these these theological and cultural ideas an additional thing uh is of course kind of the artistic um media side uh, i write a lot about film you and i talk a lot about film you've also written about films and um I uh, a point that I, I think is important to make as we're talking about this kind of you know hope and kind of the Christian marks of Europe and Christian society is to is to note that our interest in Europe is not just that oh they happen to still have these great old buildings and institutions, but that actually even the modern kind of intellectual output among people who don't even identify as Christians tends to be more focused on these big questions of existence, of, of the future, of the meaning of reality, all of these kinds of big questions, than what is typical of um, American entertainment offerings, to just put it bluntly. You know, the whole world, we're told, loves the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and, you know, uh, American films make big big bucks worldwide and all of that sort of thing. And there are real intellectuals who are working in American cinema. Obviously, Terrence Malick is one of them. I think Wes Anderson is one of them. There are a lot. Um, and, and likewise, writers and playwrights and novelists and all of that sort of thing. But I, for my money, uh, I just one, one of my goals, and I think yours too, Bobby, is to, is to try to put in front of our countrymen um, certain certain films books um you know artistic offerings from european artists and again going back in the opposite direction find ways to be in dialogue directly with those with that community with those people to encourage uh 
Europe in in those endeavors too, you know. So um, so hey, it's not only Tarkovsky, right? Tarkovsky's diaries right now. Tarkovsky's diaries, yeah, boy, fascinating stuff in there. You know, Tarkovsky is such a great example. But you know, Ingmar Bergman was one of Tarkovsky's idols, and Bergman was the son of a Lutheran pastor in Sweden. He himself was. I guess, an atheist, but I mean, all of his movies are about like the most important questions. I mean, some of his movies are really difficult to watch, but my goodness, I mean, you're never going to walk away from one of those movies thinking like, oh, that was okay. Or, oh, that was a nice way to pass the time or something, right? You're not going to be tends- eating your popcorn as you as you watch the movie. I mean, there are a couple of them that are fun, like Wild Strawberries and like, you know, that have kind of more of an entertainment component to them, but yeah. yeah. No. And I mean, in modern in modern cinema, I mean, people like Lars von Trier to me are so important. The Darden, the 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 uh, the Darden brothers in in Belgium, and so many other. I mean, pa- Paolo Sorrentino. You and I talk about him a lot. Yeah. Who created this incredible two two series show for HBO about the Pope? And he himself says that he's not really religious and all this sort of thing. But my goodness, I mean, if you watch that show, I mean, it is just one of the most fascinating explorations of faith in the modern world that I can think of in a lot of different ways and, and of the Catholic church and of, you know, just so many other cultural factors. So I just wanted to put that on the table. This, this is a scattershot podcast. We're going to go, we're going to do some deep dives into different documents and films and stuff like that. In addition to our usual, you know, kind of uh, repartee here back and forth. So that's just a little preview, but just wanted to put that on the table for everybody who maybe has, has is familiar with our work, Bobby, and knows that we are interested in those kinds of things. Yeah. And I know that, you know, being here in Krakow for the last couple of months, I've been talking to some Polish intellectuals, some hoping to get in touch with many of the, um, you know, some Polish directors. I actually wrote to Christoph Zanussi. So he's one of the, um, he's one of Martin Scorsese's friends, but he's, he's quite an interesting director. He's like a part philosopher, physicist, and, and, movie director and so yeah. all of his movies i mean they're always they always are kind of posing the existential questions and they never end like kind of they're not like a hallmark movie where you can kind of really you know just have like an optimistic you know really happy ending they always end in a somewhat not depressing manner but strange at least manner and um but they you always walk away from the films wondering okay what why did he choose this to film it this way why was this you know mm-hmm. why was this in that scene what and so they're very meaningful films so actually yeah. i got a response from zanussi he says uh he told me to come see him sometime so i'm hoping someday that we could get i know he's he's quite elderly but he is uh he's pretty active on social media and i think he he would love really? to the chance to talk to um to americans and other europeans and also to talk about the faith he's a faithful catholic so um but quite quite interesting one yeah is he in is he in warsaw i think he is in warsaw um, so we could go knock on his door and then we can go knock on pavel pavlikovsky's door yeah and I, um just kind of see if we can make friends with all of the polish catholic uh, <laughs> filmmakers that's right, man. I don't want to reduce it to Poland, but, you know, yeah. at least start here. Let's talk for a second, Bobby, about like who who our audience is, who are our fellow travelers? 
You know, I, I think um, an important thing that we want to point out is, you know, our appreciation for Europe, European culture and the faith and Europe is in no way some kind of, you know, blood and soil movement. Um, we, uh, you know, that, that's not what this is about at all. Nor are we, although we are amateurs in the, in the literal sense of the word of political philosophy, and um, we have certain opinions about kind of what the best, I don't know, political form might be. I, I find mine changing from day to day, to be honest. But, um, but I would, I would think we're not, um, we're, we're not strictly speaking just interested. We're very interested in the future of Christian society, but not necessarily interested in prescribing the precise political form. I don't know. You want to talk about that for a sec? Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to make sure you have to avoid, avoid that. Cause it seems like a lot of the discussion as interesting as it, as it is right now is, is definitely focused in on the uh, Christian political form. But I think, Getting at something a little bit deeper than that, um, you know, the Germans like to distinguish between politics and culture, uh, mm -hmm. culture, and so it it seems to me that we're focused on the latter um, and trying to transform things, uh, even politics, by focusing in on on that. So, and in, in some ways, you, you look at not only like Germany when Germany didn't have. Uh, United States, you have people like um, like Goethe doing this, even in a way uh, Schiller. I mean, they they turn mm -hmm. to the arts as mm -hmm. uniting as uniting the Germans. The same thing for for Poland when Poland uh, was still I uh, was partitioned, but it was still a nation. But it turned to the arts, the young Poland uh, Poland movement, and then John yeah. II was even a part of that. Yeah. So, I think that, you know, taking that type of stance, uh, that's what we're focused in. But like forming a culture of hope, but one that is very much grounded in in hope as a theological virtue. So yeah. ultimately grounded in, in, you know, the liturgy and partaking in the death and resurrection of Christ as, you know, being the very kind of, you know, way in which this, this culture will blossom. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, Bobby, are you an optimist or a pessimist? <laughs> you know me too well, Andrew. What do you think? I I think that you, uh, I, I think you and I both are prone to pessimism, but I think that we are both uh, men of, uh, men of, uh, men of joy and certainly men of hope. And um, I, there are definitely times when I think you are optimistic and when I am optimistic, but I don't think that being an optimist is necessarily the best thing. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the older I get, I uh, uh, pessimism just just I don't know, just makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. Not not in the sense though that like uh, it goes against hope. I mean, we we were talking earlier about George Grant. Uh, that mm -hmm. uh, Canadian philosopher who kind of who's focused on technology and the modern postmodern age. And everybody, you know, said after reading him that, man, you paint such a dark picture of the future. Uh, do we have anything to be optimistic about? And, um, 
you know, they they got really mad at him for not being optimist, especially, you know, that's a really bad thing for Americans, you know. My, oh, yeah. I mean, I've always accused of not being optimistic enough. And, you know, that that encouraged my pessimism even more. Um, but I think we just got to be careful just to make sure that hope hope is different than optimism. Yeah. And, you know, we, we both like scrutin. So, you know, we yeah. both have read an awful lot that we don't like to we don't like where things are are heading. Um, mm-hmm. But yet still, this is a certain hope. So it's much deeper than anything that we can kind of like read in the in the times right now. Yeah, right. And even if we're pessimistic, which I mean, I generally am about the state of culture. But, you know, this is something that that Pope Benedict talks about in Space Salvi, that a person of hope then is a person who's present then is defined by this ultimate this ultimate goal. So, yeah. So what? I mean, yeah, it's really terrible that the culture is so bad and also well let's just let's find what's good and let's celebrate that and try and lift that up and try and make more of it and um because that is what's participating in this ultimate this ultimate goal mm-hmm. um and you know uh, it just occurred to me as you were talking that you know in the american context we really so you and i i guess it's fair to say we're both we were are i don't know both kind of professional evangelists in a way. I mean, that's, we worked for an organization that um, that's, that's what it, that's what it does. It's kind of media evangelism. And we were part of the um, part of that team. We created, we wrote, we created videos and all that kind of thing. Something that, you know, something that keeps popping up though, is this question of what is the, what is kind of like the posture of an evangelist in modern society today? And, you know, for a long time, there were these figures who who really believed that, especially kind of in the evangelical world, who really believed that what was the important thing was to have this winsomeness, you know, and, and there's this guy, James Woods, who writes, um, who used to work at First Things, I think, um, he, where I think we're both connected to him on Twitter, but he he got in big trouble because he wrote, wrote this thing about how, you know, kind of the, the age of winsomeness is over, like winsomeness just kind of didn't work, which is to say, like, as long as we're just kind of like, positive and you know just kind of you know being a christian is great you know and like let's just kind of find the stuff we can agree on and not worry so much about the stuff we don't agree on and all that you know it's just it doesn't work it doesn't work now not idealizing winsomeness doesn't mean that we should be jerks i i don't think we should i don't think that's just a a very good way to exist in society but it also I, i don't know it's kind of liberating to me bobby i don't know about you but just just to think like i don't have to pretend to, you know, I don't, for the sake of Christ, I don't have to pretend that like, oh, everything's cool, you know, or anything like that. Like, I I just don't think that's really what is asked of us, especially not if you look at the gospels themselves. I mean, that's just not the way Christ moves around in the world at all. I'll tell you this, at least in Poland, that's not going to win hearts. No, right. The kind of American, like everything is awesome, you know, Lego movie just (laughs) doesn't, doesn't really work. And, uh, also, yeah, I think like people just if you I mean, people want honesty, like and I don't think that faking it. Uh, I mean, people can tell when you're faking it, even when you're, you know, kind of in a way, I hate to put it this way, but selling them the gospel. Yeah. Um, it can tell whether or not the gospel has like truly like seeped in. And I think for the most part, most of the people who truly are the ones who suffer, 
who are you can you can tell they're truly suffering, but for the sake of of ultimately love, it's, it's yeah. suffering for the sake of love. Yeah. Uh, that is truly truly what is going to inspire. So, like Pope Benedict, whenever he he, he ends the space salvi encyclical this way, and from other writings that I've seen, he always refers to Mary uh, as the font of hope, but mm-hmm. then puts her in the context of. Mary's the one who stands under the cross, but yeah. she has, she has actually made the journey too in her assumption. So she she is for us our hope that that we it's a certain hope because Mary, someone like us, you know, but you know, but immaculately conceived, has made the journey, but yet she is under the cross. So I live not too far from. Uh, cal- um, a place called Calvaria, uh, Je- I can't pronounce it correctly, Calvaria Zebedovska, um, mm-hmm. which is where John Paul II, he's, it's right by uh, Vadovica, and it's where John Paul II discerned his vocation to the priesthood. But he, and it's the precisely the place where he told, um, he told everyone in 1979 to pray for him after he dies. It was such mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a, it's on a hill, but it's uh, you have the way of the way of the cross. Okay, the way of it's also called the like the way of uh, of Mary as well is with that. And so mm-hmm. it's supposed to actually it's like an, it's up on a hill, but it's a big landscape. It's supposed to be like Jerusalem in a way. But what I was thinking is that um, it's. Literally, and every every year you have one of the biggest um, passion plays in the in the world uh, takes place there. But mm-hmm. in order to like, you know, you have to be someone who truly is is close to the cross to be an effective, I think, evangelist. And I don't even like using that word really to be mm-hmm. an effective evangelist. I just. Right. I feel like you know you just sense it in in the person, like right. people sense, like John Paul II. There was there was something that was not superficial. Um, that uh, they they really through him encountered encountered something more than him, namely right. this the Holy Spirit and Christ. Um, but anyways. That uh, I'm 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 going on too long. But, yeah, but. no, you're not. I mean, just to to put a put a bow on that. I mean, I, for my part, I would say, I, you know, I'm just not I'm not so interested in kind of propositional evangelism as much as kind of invitation to the mystery. And I, I just think you know that also relates to our interest in Europe uh, and to pilgrimage. Um, that uh, it. It, it actually turns out to be kind of hard to live the Christian life um, if if the way that that's supposed to work is, uh, I mean, I felt this way as a Protestant before I was Catholic, that, you know, you're just, things are just kind of always supposed to make sense. Uh, the faith is just kind of always, you're supposed to kind of just be comfortable with with that. And, you know, the thing is, like, I can't, I can't control that very well. I can, I can a little bit, but, um, but something that, something that is more powerful than that is is the kind of cultural things is the you know the experience of just kind of like the walking the the praying the you know all the stuff that is still part of the fabric there of the faith in Europe and and in other parts of the world too 
but certainly um, is is part of the rich inheritance that we that we're interested in exploring. So, you know, uh, on that note, let me throw it back to you by like first you can say whatever you like, of course, but like where where do we go from here? We I, we're, we hope that lots of people have tuned into this first podcast. We're going to keep pumping them out. Uh, we, we're going to get into a good routine here. And um, also be we're going to be producing um, good writing on our website and start planning some events. Uh, what what's next? Well, ultimately, I mean, I, I like a big goal is to gather a bunch of people in Krakow and to kind of have this gathering of minds, but also forming a network of people who are committed to to this, you know, committed to this um, experience of hope, um, but also looking at the arts and culture like we were we were saying so i really hope that this this brings together you know a unique group of people um and also that you know it's it's something that uh is going to like truly look at christianity as speaking like christ is speaking in a way to to all of our experiences so I, I want to kind of like have this be like an experiential thing. So it's like, in a way, everything is going to be considered in a way. Um, and it's, you mentioned the propositional thing. I just, I want, I want as much as possible this to be uh, something that's like a lived, a lived experience that does yeah. have an intelligible form to it, mm-hmm. but it has to, has to seep in. And you know, we've talked very much, we, we mentioned film, but I want one of the big uh, focuses to be to, you know, to even consider uh, something like film. It, it, it may not seem to, to fit, but I think that medium speaks, you know, sp- speaks to the human experience more than 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 most other mediums do. So I'm I'm hoping that yeah once we get these articles going we start articulating this vision then we actually will start um, having gatherings in in person in Europe and perhaps even in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, maybe you know who knows maybe we'll make T-shirts with your your or my maybe <laughs> your face. I think I do. I think there are in existence T-shirts with your. With your face That's on them. So maybe we can, there are even socks i guess there are even socks there's a pillow um but yeah. who wants yeah. to who want who wouldn't want some space alvey institute merch uh you know <laughs> something to think about yeah all let's, right let's just let's, let's start another uh you know publishing publishing line as if there's not enough of those i think there's market space for for so. it but we shall see we shall so. see all right. On that note, we're going to wrap up. This is only our first podcast, but please, if you're listening, go ahead and uh, subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening in audio form, if you're watching us uh, by video, please do go ahead and subscribe uh, so that you don't miss new stuff as it appears as well. Check out our website, which Bobby is what? Spacealvinstitute.com. Yeah, spacealvinstitute.com. Follow both of us on Twitter and other social media if you can uh, if you have not done so already and uh, until next time God bless <laughs> <laughs>